Amen. Hallelujah. While you're standing, I'm going to ask that you just read the scripture with me. We're going to read John 3, 16 and 17. It's on the screen there. And then we're going to go to Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. And uh, it's on the screen, and I'm going to invite you to read it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And verse 17, for God sent not his son into the world to what? Condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, let us read together. There is, therefore now, right now, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. And verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Give God a hand of praise. You may be seated. Tonight that I, I ask that you pray for me as I speak to you from the subject, I am convinced and not condemned. I am convinced and not condemned. See, when someone is condemned by something, they feel an expression of adverse judgment. In other words, when we judge somebody, we oftentimes prejudge them adversely without knowing the facts. You know, how often have you looked at the television and a news report comes up and says they're looking for somebody who is a suspect, and we look at the television and say, you know they did it. You know, you know they're guilty, and we make judgment based upon the way someone looks, or we make judgment based upon what we think we know when we really don't have the facts. Can you say amen? So the person judging them is unfavorable and strongly disapproves of what the person did. Simply, they've been found guilty before we know anything about the facts whatsoever. And because of man who fell to temptation, sin entered into the world and condemned humanity to a physical death. Somebody say a physical death, a physical death. And when Adam and Eve sinned, they caused several things to happen in the spiritual and in the physical realm. When they sinned, it set things in motion that they could not stop once it got started. The first thing their disobedience brought was death into the world, okay? We were not created to have death a part of our creation. We were created in eternity, and death brought came about because of our disobedience. Come on. And so it's God's plan that we be restored to our eternal state. It is God's plan that we no longer experience death. Can you say amen? 
See, physically, when sin entered into the garden, death entered into the lives of God's human creation. So much so that God told Adam and Eve, you know what? You got to get out of the garden, and I'm going to pull the tree of life out of here as well so that you don't have access. But because you sinned, if you ate from the tree of life, then sin would continually continue eternally. So God had to separate man from the tree of life and from the garden so that he would put a beginning and an end to sin. You got to get this now. Because God has a bigger plan for you than going to McDonald's or Starbucks. God has a big plan for you. And the Word of God teaches us that when sin is finished, it brings death. And no longer was man going to live forever on earth because now sin interrupted the plan of God. God still has a plan for us to live, though. Amen. Forever and ever and ever. But, but sin still separates us. Sin still does what? Separates us from the plan that God has for our life. No, we will not live forever in our flesh. You need to know that. We will not live forever in our flesh. And I'm with whoever said hallelujah because I sometimes, Lord, can you just put me to rest, okay? I'm tired of some of the burdens I have to bear. You ever been so burdened, so heavy, that it would be easier to die than carry some of the stuff you got to deal with? But you can't give up like that. Amen. <laughs> the second thing that Adam and Eve saw, they saw themselves as sinners. Isn't it amazing that when we disobey, the, our perspective about ourselves change? Condemnation entered into the lives of human mankind. They saw that they were naked because of their condemnation. They tried and they tried to cover themselves. The hearts, you know, they know that they, they messed up. And, and have you ever looked in the mirror and knew you messed up? Have you ever said, they had that moment where you said, man, I sure wish I didn't do that. You know, I sure wish I could have a delete button, an escape button, a, a redo, a backspace, because I know I really jacked this thing up. Mercy, Jesus. I thought I was all by myself. Because of man who fell to temptation, sin entered into the world. And brothers and sisters, we find ourselves condemning ourselves all the time. They saw that they were naked. And the third thing was that they hid themselves from the presence of God. See, when we mess up, why is it that the house of God is the first thing we separate from our lives? You know, the first thing we do when we sin or we feel condemnation, somehow or another we start running from God. We hide ourselves from God when that's the place you should be going to. You should be running to the dwelling place every time you fall, every time you come short. You should be trying to get to the altar because that's the only place that you're going to find a solution to your problem. You know, I, 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 Lord, help me. Don't let me say that. Yes, I say it anyway. You know how it is when you're, you're praying for someone to come into your life and the Lord brings you somebody and you're so happy. Why is it that they stop going to church when they find somebody? 
You know, why is it that we put God on the back burner when we get, get set free or get our prayers answered? And I'm sorry, I'm just trying to, you know. Condemnation will keep you from the presence of God. Grace and mercy was on God's mind even after he entered into the garden. God knew his plan of redemption even when Adam and Eve did not know it. His grace was released at the cross. His grace isn't dependent on whether I need it or not. Come on now. He simply says my grace is what? Sufficient. My grace is sufficient unto you. The Bible says that where sin abounds, Grace doth much more abound. So no matter how little or how big your sin is, I got great news for you that God's grace is bigger than anything that you've done tonight. He looks at your sin and my sin and says, yep, I got you covered. Man, I get, I get excited about that. I have people in my past that have, have seen me at my worst and they saw me now and you know how people will see you and they don't even believe your conversion story. They say that you're fake and that you're a hypocrite and, and you know, I don't believe it. Well, I got great news for you that I am covered by the blood of Jesus Christ tonight. And while condemnation is trying its best to make you quit, You know, your guilt is trying to cause you to give up. It's trying to keep you oppressed. It's trying to keep you depressed and compressed. But I am convinced tonight, and I'm not condemned. I am trying my best tonight to convince you that God's grace is sufficient for you. Because I'm convinced my sins are washed in the blood of the Lamb. I'm convinced that I am not saved by my works because of all the good works that I could ever do would cover my past mistakes. There is no amount of food distribution that you can give to cover your sins. There is nothing, I don't care how much money you have, I don't care how many praise songs you sing, I don't care what you do, you can jump, you can turn, you can do whatever you want to, it will not cover your sins. Only the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I can't fix my problems. I try to fix my problems, but I can't do it. Only God can fix my problems because he loves me so much, and he does that in my behalf. His love still releases me from condemnation. His love still conquers the shame in my life. My God is still the God of grace. Can somebody give God a hand of praise? My God is still a God of grace. He steps in the middle of my mess. Maybe I'm the only one with mess. But he steps in the middle of my mess. And somehow by his grace, he can take that which is a mess and give me a bless. You know, God can turn the ugliest situations around. Because what, God, what the devil meant unto you for evil, God will mean it unto you for good. He restores you and he sets your feet on solid ground for every trial, every mess that we make. He would provide a way of escape. He's not going to quit on you. Just because you made a mistake. Now, I'm older than most of y'all. And I'm here to tell you that God loves you that much. And then some. He loves you 
beyond any of your past failures and all your mistakes. See, I'm convinced tonight, and I'm not condemned. But I know this one thing, and, and, and if I don't know anything else, the Bible says, I'm going to go to the Word now. The Bible says that he loved us from the foundation of the world. He loved me enough to go to Calvary. Matter of fact, Jeremiah 1.5 says that before you were formed in the belly of your mother's womb, I knew you. I knew the weaknesses of your daddy and your daddy's daddy going all the way back to Adam and Eve. I knew the problems that you would have. I knew your generational curses. I knew your family dysfunctions. I knew the habits and the addictions that you would wrestle with. I knew it, and I have made a way of escape for you. You have no excuse whatsoever because my grace is sufficient unto you. Hallelujah. He loves you with a great love. He loved me yesterday, and I'm just crazy enough to be convinced that he still loves me today. Oh, I'm just getting started, by the way. Because when, I I, when I think about Jesus and what he's done for me, it makes me want to dance. You know, when I think about Jesus and how he set me free, I could dance, 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 dance. Dance, you know, dance like David danced. Get into the presence of the Lord. You know, my knees don't let me jump, but I can sure turn. Come on, because God is that good. His grace is not measured by a teaspoon, but his grace is measured by a handful. And the Bible tells me that he got the whole world in his hands. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> That must mean that there is enough grace for everybody. And he doesn't say, and you know, we live in a crazy world because people are mad with each other, angry with each other over stupid stuff like color and language and money. I mean, just stupid stuff. And God has given us a grace that exceeds all the stuff. We don't have enough grace to even extend grace to one another. But I take back what the devil stole from me. I'm going to love them anyhow. The reason why a lot of people are not receiving the Holy Ghost is that they're living in condemnation. You don't even think you're worthy of having the Holy Ghost. The Bible teaches us, though, that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So whatever you're going through, you need to get over it tonight because God wants to dwell in you. Amen. <clears throat> They're living in condemnation, and they're not living convinced that we are truly forgiven. Some are living with the fact that, that we sinned last year, or, or I sinned last month, or I sinned yesterday, Pastor. Some of y'all even sinned this morning. Get over it. Get over it. Quit living life with condemnation and start living convinced that the blood will never lose its power and walk in the freedom and the liberty that comes in being a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because when you're convinced, somebody say when you're convinced, no one can change your mind. See, that's the whole idea of being convinced of something, that I am convinced 
I am convicted. You can't change my mind. I know what God has done for me. I've been in situations and in circumstances that no matter what the data says, whatever the news said, or whatever the circulation may be, the reality is, the reality is that you can't tell me what God has done for me. I have experienced it for myself. I have seen it. I have touched it. I've heard it. I've experienced it for myself. You cannot tell me that God doesn't love me. And I'm here to tell you, you got to be convinced that God loves you. Even in the midst of the worst of circumstances, you need to know that God loves you. No matter how ugly your past, no matter what you've done, no matter where you come from, God loves you. loves you with a great love. No matter how much you're smoking, drinking, snorting, come on now. God loves you. In the midst of all your midnight runs on the, on the computer, God loves you. And he wants to set you free. But the problem is condemnation tells us we're not worthy of love. So even when God loves us, we're not loving us. When I start feeling condemnation of the devil, and it starts reminding me of my past mistakes. That's when I remind him or remind myself of who my daddy is. I had, a, I had a pastor say once, he said, the devil is a quick change artist. He tempts you to sin, and as soon as you touch it, he changes his clothes and becomes the accuser of your soul. As soon as you sin, the devil starts reminding you that you're a loser, you're a sinner, you're a failure, and then you start to condemn yourself, making you feel worthless. So I'm not going to go to church because I feel so naked. Everybody's going to see what I look like. They must know. And that's when we pray. That's when we have to read the word of God, for it tells us that there is, therefore, now, right now, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. My heavenly Father does not condemn me, but he forgives me. He doesn't throw me out. He brings me closer. He doesn't cut me off. He gives me more love. He doesn't quit listening to me. He's listening for me to cry out his name. When there is condemnation, he gives you redemption. When there's condemnation, he gives me restoration. When there's condemnation, he gives me grace that is sufficient for what I need. And because his grace is sufficient, I am convinced. 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 He loves me. I am convinced that I'm not what you say that I am. I am convinced that greater is he that's within me than he who is in the world. I am convinced that I am the head and not the tail. I am convinced that I am to be a lender and not a borrower. I am convinced. Come on. I am convinced because God loves me. Too many Christians are living every day with condemnation because they are not convinced that God loves them. Not convinced. Some of you heard my testimony just this past year. And I wondered if God loved me when the police came knocking on my door. 
and tell me that my 30-year-old son was just in a car accident and he died. Where are you now, God? This can't be. This is not the life that I signed up for. This is not the way this is supposed to play out. Because, Lord, I've been serving you. I've been in your church. I love your people. I have sacrificed all my life to do what I do. And you're telling me now that you love me enough to take my son? You didn't even require Abraham to give up his. But you got to walk in your conviction. You have to be convinced that no matter what your trial and whatever your circumstances, that God is loving you. I said, Lord, how am I supposed to give you glory in this? How am I supposed to praise your name in this? And he reminds me, that the death of the flesh is not what I'm preparing you for. I'm preparing you to be restored to your eternal condition in which I created you to be in in the first place. Your son is a lot closer to it than you are. Really, Lord? Did anyone else give their life on the cross for you? Did anyone else take stripes on their back for your healing? Did anyone else promise you everlasting life? No. So I'm convinced and I'm not condemned. You can sit there and live condemned by your heart, your conscience, your public opinion, or you can get up and be convinced that God loves you just as you are. He loves you in your mess. He loves you in your trial. God is greater than your condemnation. He is greater than our failures. He is greater than our guilt. He is greater than our shame. Honey, I'm here to con convince you that greater is he that is within me. And he who is in the world, and in the world I'm just a sinner, but in the world I am not just another number on the devil's spreadsheet of condemned souls. I am a part of that number that no man can number, but in Christ Jesus I am an overcomer. In Christ Jesus my name is written. In the book of life. In Christ Jesus, I'm a joint heir with Christ. In Christ Jesus, I am a child of the King. I'm convinced. And I'm not condemned. So I'm going to finish my story. After I grieved just a few weeks, a few months, I realized the devil can't take anything else from me that's going to cause me any more pain than he took. So the devil is in trouble. You can take my life. I don't care you take my life, but I'm going to tell the truth about it. Come on now. 
You know, I'm going to tell everybody that I know that great, we, I serve a great God, a mighty God, an awesome God. i got to tell everybody, you're not going to shut me up no more, devil. The devil tempted Eve, and, and she sinned, and she offered it to Adam, and, and, and he sinned just as willfully as Eve. And everyone blames Eve for falling to temptation. We're sorry, ladies. But Adam went along with it just as easy. Okay. And because of their sin, condemnation gripped their heart. And God already knew that they had sinned. But he came to the garden anyway. And God looks for Adam as he's done every day. Let's look at the scripture. Genesis chapter 3. Look at verse 7 and 8. Genesis chapter 3. Verses 7 and 8. And the word of God says, it's on the screen. And the eyes of them both were what? Open. And they knew that they were naked, and they did what? Sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. That's what Scripture says. Come on, verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, this is a very interesting scripture. I'm going to read the next part of it. Um, go to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 9 through 13. I want you to pay attention to the fact where we just read that, he, that they hid themselves from God. They hid themselves from God. They, their, their sin brought condemnation, and it causes us to hide ourselves from God. Number one best reason for not sinning. And so you don't have to hide. Because with hiding comes lying. I just missed them, Lord. <laughs> with, with, with hiding comes lying. And, 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 and notice that, that God didn't ask them where they were just because God needed to know where they were. God asked them where they were so they would know where they were. <laughs> It, let's go to the scripture, verse 9 through 13, because I'm going when this thing unfolds. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, What? Where art thou? Now, do you think God didn't know? God knows. Whatever you do in dark is gonna come to light. That's just a sidebar. And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was what? naked, and I hid myself. See, when we are living in shame, we don't want anybody to know that we're living in shame. We want to hide our guilt. We want to hide our shame. We want to run from the house of God. But the house of God is the place you should run to because there are, and you know why? Because there are other sinners in there just like you. Come on. Everybody else knows that there is power in the blood of Jesus. And at least if you go to the house of God, you might find some mercy and some grace up in there. Can you say amen? So verse 11, the word of God says, and he said, who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou, what? Shouldest not eat? Did you do what I told you you shouldn't do? Did you put your finger in the socket and get electrocuted? Come on now. Did you hurt yourself? Come on. Did you drive the car when you didn't have permission? Come on now. 
Did you sleep with Saul? I'm sorry. <laughs> verse 13, and the word of God says, or verse 12, and the man said, well, the woman that thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and well, you know, I couldn't help myself, and I did eat. Go to verse 13, the word of God says, and the Lord God said unto the woman, who is this that thou, you know, what is this that thou has what, done? And the woman said, well, the serpent beguiled me, and I did what? I did eat. We're always blaming somebody else for our problems. Stop being unaccountable. Come on now. Take accountability for your actions. Be honest with yourself and be honest with God so you can be delivered from whatever it is that's causing you to be in bondage tonight. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. So rather than admit their sins, they turned on each other and started blaming everyone else for their mistakes. You know, well, I wouldn't have been a murderer if it wasn't for my mean mama. I wouldn't have been a whore if it wasn't for my daddy. Rather than living with condemnation, how about coming clean with God and letting his grace and his mercy do the work that was intended to work in your life? I got great news for you this morning. This evening, Lord, this morning somewhere. Romans chapter 8, verse 34 through 39. I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. Here we go. Romans chapter 8, verse 34 through 39. Don't, don't get lazy now, okay? Learn to touch the scripture. This is word to you. This is bread to you. Who is he that condemneth? It's Christ that died, yea, rather what? That is risen again. Who is even where? At the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us sinful human beings, I might add. Th verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, this is important. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall the stuff I'm going through? Shall tribulation? How about the stress on my job? Distress? Persecution? Just because I don't have any rice and beans at home? Nakedness? Or peril? Or sword? As it is written. Come on, Joe Christian. For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep. For the slaughter. See, see, for those of you who think when you come to Jesus that you're going to have some rose-colored glasses experience and peaches and cream is going to be a part of your life, I got, I got news for you. That is a lie. You may go through some serious hell when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You are like a lamb going to the slaughter. It's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder. And just sidebar. Dwelling place, God's getting ready to do something with you. God's getting ready to do something with you because he says that you got to be faithful in little things and I make you ruler over much. You position yourself for what God is going to do. You do it with expectation of what God is going to do for you. 
And so, so, so every time you pull out your soundboard and put up your instruments and come and go and, 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 and give a glass of water or do a home study, you're being faithful in little things. And you're being positioned for God to do an outpouring in your church. And he's going to bless you, not because of you, but because of his glory. And he'll do it for himself. Give God a hand. Because here it is right here. Nay, read it with me. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now you got to be convinced. It says, for I am what? That neither death, nor life, nor angels, or what? Principalities, or powers. See, that's stuff present and far away. Come on now. Stuff that's in the flesh and stuff that's in the visible. Come on now. Stuff that's on earth and that which is in the cosmos. Come on now. There's nothing, 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 Bible says, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. And here's verse 39. I don't want to finish it there. And it says, nor height, nor death, nor any other what? Creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In other words, God has made up his mind concerning you. I'm going to love you no matter what. The problem we have is not God loving us, but us loving God. Because we're the one that when the wind blows, we become shaky. We're the fragile ones. Not being convinced that God has everything in order for his glory. And some of you are dealing with condemnation in your life tonight. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take it home. The shame of your mistake is keeping you from what God wants to do in your life. You're blocking your blessing. You're the one. Because God has already done everything necessary to save you, to bless you, to keep you, to provide for you. It's time to let go of the past. Did you hear what I said? It's time to let go of the past. You cannot change your past. You can only accept his grace. You can only accept his mercy. You got to forgive yourself and pick yourself up in Jesus' name. And you got to move on. Get to stepping. Girl, you got gossip? Get out of my way. You are convinced and not condemned. Last scripture for the night, and here we go. Here it is. We started here, and we're going to end here. It says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, got to read it with me. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Way too many of us are walking after our flesh. That thing that pleases me well. It, it, it has gotten so many nations in trouble following their flesh. Come on now. You know, so many men and women have fallen following their flesh. 
God wants you to be convinced tonight that he is, a way, he is waiting after you right here at the altar. He wants you to come and give yourself up. He wants you to turn yourself in. You don't have to tell me or, or Pastor Andrew or anybody else what you're wrestling with, but the Holy Ghost knows. And if there's somebody here tonight that will come to the altar and say, Lord, just as I am, I come. I turn myself in. Is there somebody here tonight that would join me here at the altar that there might be release in your life? Is there somebody here tonight that realizes that God loves you regardless of where you've been or what you've gone through? God loves you. I love the fact that there are, there are, there are men and women coming to the altar. Hallelujah. 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 Coming to the altar. And being set free and being delivered in Jesus' name. You don't have to live in condemnation. 